we've we've talked for 50 minutes here. What we've barely scratched the surface of Lacan. We've had a nice uh, debate. I've gotten my point of view across multiple times. We should. I should now let you two talk more, and I will in the second half of this conversation, which will continue now for Twitch people and people who are watching us on YouTube. Go to Twitch. Become follow us there if you love Minecraft. You'll love pop the left and and uh, you'll love our Twitch stream. Um, but if you're not, you can go to Patreon and watch the second half. All right. So welcome to another pop the left. We're streaming this live. Right now, I'm going to tweet this out to everybody uh, that let people know that we are live with Andreas Wintersberger and Stefan Hain um, from Austria and Germany. Um, this week, we're going to be talking about Lacan again, um, Andrew Coyier's 1980 uh, essay, Lacan, Psychoanalysis and the Left, I believe is the name of the piece, um, and... I wanted to say, like, I really, when I read this piece, I really thought it um, did a very fair job. I mean, I know, I'm not sure I agree with every aspect of it, but it did a fair job of outlining uh, some objections and also just uh, explaining uh, the history of Lacan on the left and also the ideas of Lacan. Um, so uh, I, I guess... What I'll start by doing is asking you both, as I tweet, to kind of summarize what you think the uh, article is about or the essay uh, says or what, what strikes you the most profoundly about it. And then I'll jump in uh, if there's anything you guys left out. So, uh, Andreas, why don't you go first? Sure. Um you know, when I first uh, read the article, it was in a preparation for a teaching Stefan Hein and I gave um, in German on psychoanalysis and the left. And I think what struck me most was this one quote by Trotsky <laughs> um, that, that Collier brings. And I think I was completely ignorant to uh, the relationship or to what Trotsky thought of psychoanalysis before that. Um, and I think this also is good to like highlight uh, or bring out the deeper theoretical differences between Freudian thought and uh, Lacanian thought. In mm. a way, like, how is it that uh, a Marxist revolutionary like Trotsky, and in and, and that specific time, I think it was in the late 20s, um, when when uh, the text was written that that Collier is quoting, can see this potential in, you know, I don't know what's the exact word like, the the willpower of you know the human species to enter into the depths of the unconscious as something you know as a as as a, a, a task or a project you know like for for humanity to master one's own instincts. And that, that idea, I think, uh, you know, that's that's to me that that seemed very uh, interesting, right? And but it, it it also poses a very sharp distinction to you know the way how Lacan tries to bring the 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 uh, the ego and the super ego to it together, right? Like because 
for, in a way, you could say that what Trotsky sees here as the possibility, you know, which is, of course, one has to, one has to add not just the possibility of psychoanalysis, but psychoanalysis in, uh, let's say, <laughs> maybe the dictatorship, during the dictatorship of the proletariat. Um, but what Trotsky sees here as a possibility, it, that seems to be the problem, actually, for Lacan, in a way, right? Like, to open up more and more areas for the ego, so to speak, for the illusion of the subject to conquer, you know, is just a, a recreation or, or I would say like, you know, uh, it, 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 the problem stays the same, right? It's part of the problem that the ego wants to do that. Mm. And I think this, this to me brought out like, um, yeah, I would say on a theoretical level, the historical... Um, I want to say, uh, you know, potentials or how Lacan is treating, you know, the, the historical potential of psychoanalysis as a means of production, whereas how Lacan is treating it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I, I, I want. I want to come. I, I want to come back to this claim that psychoanalysis was a means of production, because right. um, this is something that was a sticking point last time we spoke for me. Um, but we'll come back to it. Um, Stefan, what did you think? Uh, how would you summarize the, the major claims of uh, Andrew Coyier's piece? Yeah, I think it's a great text because it really deals with what the title is in an appropriate way. It's about psychoanalysis. What is psychoanalysis? How did it come up? How was it produced in society? What did uh, the inventor, discoverer of psychoanalysis uh, Freud himself think he was doing? How did he think as a science it was figuring into what science and society and psychology have been already? And then he deals with how Lacan is dealing with psychoanalysis, trying to continue it, but as uh, Collier argues, fundamentally transforming it and making it into something really not psychoanalytic. And then the last point, what is the relationship of this turn from Freud to Lacan? What does it mean for the left? Why should the left care about either psychoanalysis or Lacan? And Collier in this text tries to point out in how for Lacan is used as an enabler to escape politics. Right, like a transition of the blues of the post-new left into the post-political landscape of the 1980s. And uh, this is why I think the essay is just great. I mean, for such a short essay, it really gets to some major points which are not like an explanation of everything, but a good point of departure for trying to think about what role Lacan played in like in the treatment of psychoanalysis on the left, but also broader in how far Lacan stands in for a certain tendency of his own time, mostly like the post-World War II capitalist society and its struggle to make sense of subjectivity, the tension between the individual and society, but also how is objectivity constitu constituted and what are limits to changing it. Mm -hmm. Well, I think the strongest 
uh, argument that I re- recall from the piece is um, it has to do with uh, the way in which Lacan took up uh, structuralism as a way to understand consciousness and the unconscious and some of the weaknesses that uh, I think are in Lacan um, derived from that move to we talked about it last week or last time we spoke um, about how structuralism uh, assumes that a kind of Kantian perspective that we have no access to the world of objects. We have no access to the world. I'm going to put myself here. We have no access to the world of objects. We have no access to um, the noumenal realm, to material reality, but rather our, uh, operating within a con- uh, uh, only the, the field of perception, which is defined by uh, categories of perception. And then in structuralism, it would be the categories of uh, linguistics, the way that um, meaning arises negatively through signif- signification. Um, and that uh, we are reduced to trying to understand the realm of human consciousness on its own rather than understand human consciousness in the context of a material universe to which we can access. Um, so uh, that is is in section, uh, let's see, where, where does that come up? Um, in the text on Andrew Collier, but it, it's, it's pretty early on. Um, it's Lacan's version of psychoanalysis. The unconscious is structured like a language is the section that I'm thinking of, I think. Um, uh, so there's a way in which Lacan is fundamentally idealist um, as he operates. And one of the things that I am pushing back against with you, Andreas, is uh, what I perceive to be this sort of idealist uh ideological turn in your own thinking where you would call psychoanalysis an, uh, a means of production. Um, and because it seems like what's being produced in psychoanalysis when it's uh, functioning is uh, clearing away of ideologies and the ability for us to be critical and, and, uh, and think. But it doesn't in itself, that doesn't necessarily change the way in which we create and recreate or reproduce our world, which is what the means of production is about. That it's really. I disagree with almost everything you just said. Okay. Yeah, uh, same, same. Like great. there's a bunch of human rep here. Okay. Uh, I mean, let, let, maybe maybe let's start with this means of production thing because that came up, you know, in our last discussion and. Mm-hmm. The point about calling it means of production is in by by no means huh, <laughs> that it is in any way you know that the point about calling it a means of production is that it is you know it helps us clearing away obstacles in that sense. It's it no it's it's not like it, I know that's it, why I disagree with you. I mean, you all right, say it's okay, not, right, okay. right, right. Okay, I think that it, the, that the point of psychoanalysis is to clear away. Uh, of the unconscious uh, presumptions that we have, obstacles for our own activity in thought. 
And you're claiming that it's something more than that. And I, I don't see how it could be as an ideological uh, project. Go, so now there, that's to clarify that. Okay. Well, first of all, again, um, I think means of production are not just like, you know, factories that produce goods we use for living, but it's the general social intellect, right? So as that, I think like the technique of psychoanalysis is an immensely strong means of production. When you look at, you know, I brought this, this point um, in our last conversation, mm -hmm. um, when you look at how it was used, especially in the 20, like in the second half of the 20th century, you can, you know, take, for example, focus groups, right? They seem to determine like whole policy decisions, especially uh, in, in the 90s by uh, Tony Blair and Bill Clinton. Like it, it is insane in what way a psychoanalytic quote unquote thought, you know, um, has shaped, so to speak, um, certain aspects of our reality. And by that, this is an immensely strong force for me. Can we, can we be concrete? And, How is psychoanalysis shaped? Um, and in what realm has psychoanalysis shaped production? The means okay, of production. first thing is culture industry, obviously, in all of its parts. Um, the other big part would, of course, be advertisement. But also, I mean, Adam Curtis mentions this in The Century of the Self. Freud's nephew, Edward Bernays, was not only one of the first inventors of like mass advertisement for you know it was at the stage when capitalism started to mass produce luxury goods for mass society and a means of keeping society through get together through these commodities instead of going to the crisis of the commodity form itself as marxism tried to bring forth in the revolution Mm -hmm. was to bring the goods to the people. And with this, the idea arose that you sell products not advertising what they do, what they're good at, but what you could be with them, right? Like you buy this dress, you are going to be this new person. So this is an immense transformation of human society. But also Bernays... Um, emulated these ideas to the realm of policies and how to sell policies to people and invented public relations, which is at the core of capitalist politics in all of our lifetimes. So that's why it's extremely important to see, right, when Trotsky speaks about, because Andreas is quoting Trotsky here, that psychoanalysis is a means of production, right, like a productive force, it also means that just as any other force of production under capitalism, it's turned into a force of destruction, but it doesn't cease to be a force of production. It reproduces our society and it reproduces it in this critical, right? Like self undermining way. Uh, okay. So it's producing subjectivity or okay, like, let me just, let me quote some things from the piece. Um, Trotsky says socialism does not aim at creating a socialist psychology as a prerequisite to socialism, but at creating socialist conditions of life as a prerequisite to socialist psychology. That's in a footnote, uh, number 27. Um, again, what you had quoted before 
uh, was that uh, Trotsky who hoped that under socialism, mankind would be able to raise its instincts to the height of its conscious mind and bring clarity to them to channel his willpower into his unconscious depths. That is a quote from Trotsky, uh, from Chomsky, no, from Trotsky um, <laughs> about the uh, about what could be under socialism. That's under after the after. And I'm going to say socialism is not different from communism here. We're not talking about tra the transitional period, but we're talking about from each according to his ability to each according to his needs. Socialism here. Now, that's maybe debatable, but nonetheless, um, that uh, Trotsky is, is saying that when we have taken charge of the means of production, when the working class has instituted a dictatorship, we will then be able to develop an ideology which could break free of the unconscious and bring, bring and, and get to the depths of our unconscious mind and replace the symptoms that arise from repressed unconscious desires with our e clear uh, ego. That's what, what Trotsky is saying here. It's not saying that the un that psychoanalysis, where is the quote where he says, Psychoanalysis is a means of production in this piece. I'll have anywhere. to look it up. I guess it's in the other text we quoted for uh, the teaching Andreas mentioned. It's in the speech of Trotsky some months before he get, it gets excluded from the Third International. No, from the okay. KPD issue. Okay, okay. So, Party, so I'd be interested to, again, like, I'm, I'm always suspicious about interpretation here. I mean, um, it, it, he did not say that in this, the, the, what was quoted here, in fact, said the opposite. Um, but that's not uh, the, the opposite, Doug. <laughs> it, it, no, it absolutely is the opposite. Okay. Um, uh, the uh, socialism does not aim at creating a socialist psychology as a prerequisite to socialism. That is, socialism is a transformation of material relations in society. Ideologies, religions, politics, all of that are produced out of the fundamentals of how we reproduce our lives physically, materially. Uh, and socially, politically, but the, but not, uh, but not the other way around, and okay. and so that's. I I think I I don't know maybe maybe I'm completely off here, but I think maybe we can open up this this idea of materialism versus idealism. Maybe that's not a good way to think about yeah, it. But I think it's in, it looms in the you background. You can't separate here. them out perfectly because there is an ideology at work. In the at the point of production, there's a class relation, there's a commodity form, there's, it's, uh, the idea that we're creating for equal exchange. All of these are ideological, but they're ideologies put into physical practice to set up the material conditions of our lives. They're not justificatory, not justifications for that. They're not religious stories about that. They are actual social relations in production. That are ideological, but they're not separate. They're not at some. They're not a movie. They're not a book. Right. They're they're not an expression or justification. They are a way of organizing ourselves socially, which includes our ideas. So now I've I've had my firm say no, but I found that was interesting, right? But when you just formulate it like that, I I find I have a hard time why why you find it so difficult to think of psychoanalysis as a means of production you know like because um the whether or not you overcome the 
traumas from your childhood or, or your relationship with your parents or the unconscious desires that you're not facing does not change whether or not when you go to work, the commodity you produ- will produce will hold labor value as the, and will be put into a market for exchange. It won't change. Um, it may lead you to want to change things that are more fundamental, but on the level of individual psychology, the kinds of things that you're dealing with are, are not fundamentally these objective ideological forces in production. Okay, okay. I, I have a hard time, you know, trying to bring all this together. I would say um, when it comes to the whole problem, idealism, materialism, one phrase I always found to be kind of clarifying to, to mm. get to is that, and I think it's, it's also quoted in the text, um, like existence determines con- consciousness, right? I think it's, mm. it's the English correct English translation, I hope mm. so. Um, yeah. And I think it is clarifying in a way because it's what is existence? Of course, existence, and I, I think you were agreeing, would agree with me here, Doug, is not like the physical sense experience of the table or whatever. Like it's not some kind of crude empiricism. It's social existence. So right. social existence in bourgeois society, in the crisis of bourgeois society and capitalism, is a highly mediated phenomenon. It's mediated by basically the whole, the totality. That's the point, right? Like it's based, it's mediated by an idea of society that is the society of the third estate, right? That that's a bourgeois concept. That there is, you know, something like this. Um, well, the idea that society is more than the sum of its parts, right? So there is an exceeding factor within, you know. The, the way how our social existence is mediated. There is this idea, you know, uh, there is the, the world spirit in Hegel or um, in Kant, it's called the Naturabsicht in English. I don't know, it's like, I don't have to tell you, it's like a um, natural intention or something. Natural na- intention of nature or something like that. But the thing is, it's always a concept of people produce a tendency not by their individual choice, right? But as a society, uh, through the way how they organize their own reproduction, right? This introduces or produces a tendency that goes beyond, right? Um, What we self, we like every individual, every choices we make day by day, right? So, and according to bourgeois society, that tendency we have to grasp as necessarily, uh, uh, how to say that, growing towards freedom, right? Like that's, that's the point. We have to understand in what way we ourselves brought us to this path towards freedom that, pose, that, that stands before us as a necessity, as a task we have to understand and to master, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, this, this uh, dichotomy, if you will, between, let's say, the individual and the totality or the individual and society this, this way of grasping the mediation and making it productive in a way of, you know, transforming society consciously towards freedom, this whole process of mediation grows into crisis in capitalism. So the totality, you know, the whole, in that sense, the tendency is itself self-contradictory as well as the individual. Why does but it go into crisis? Because of the, 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 the uh, Industrial Revolution. 
And that's, I mean, that's a good point. What is it about the industrial revolution that puts it into crisis? Right. I think that brings me to um, the second part of of the the formulation by Marx. Um, Like, in a way that, that the, like, the, the, what stands at the heart of the totality, right? Like the way how we organize um, our production, our reproduction as a society, it persistently exceeds the way how we are conscious of it, right? Like it exceeds every category we have for making sense of the world in a way. And that poses a task, that, that contradiction poses the possibility. And it's, it's just, uh, I think, the point or why I want to make that, that, that or try to, to find my way through that is just by saying um, that both as well social existence is mediated by consciousness as well as consciousness is mediated by social existence. Right. Here, here's because I want to answer this question I asked you myself now. Why okay. does the industrial revolution go into crisis? And it's because the the kind because the the crisis the way to think about the crisis I think from a, your perspective and one that I kind of agree with is that the crisis is a crisis of freedom the lack of freedom the way that freedom is turned into unfreedom and okay you can shake your head no but let me finish and so then. Um, that's the problem. The problem is that the bourgeois society wants to develop freely. It wants to expand human potential. Uh, and instead of being able to do that, it has set up a class relation which requires limitations on human freedom that, uh, and that where the, the decision-making um, about what will be produced is happening behind our back, in a way, unconsciously. Um, certainly, workers are not in a position to decide what they're going to produce for what purpose in the totality, and neither are capitalists. So there's that reason why it goes into crisis, because it doesn't achieve its own bourgeois aims. By its own standards, it, it fails. The other reason why it goes into crisis is because um, on, the, on the level of real wealth, there's a contradiction that arises between the success in the production of real wealth and the success in the production of abstract wealth or money. Those things are at odds with each other. The more successfully that you produce real wealth, the more likelihood you are to go into economic crisis as the money gets devalued. The faster you can produce things, the less they are worth um, because of the the way exploitation of labor is what sets up value in our society. So it's uh, um, in both these cases, uh, it's a necessity for a class relationship at the point of production that sets up a crisis in society. That, that's now. Go ahead. You can. You shook your head no. So, what? What? What are you? Yeah, and in the end, you you brought it up again, right? Like it's the point of Marxism is that it's not the class conflict that it's at, that is at the heart of capitalism but capitalism is its own self-contradiction and through this produces a class conflict and when we talk about right like the forces of production what are they they are means to master nature to help like humanity mankind in its reproduction against the the pressure of nature and of course nature say is say that again what is capitalism is did you just say what is capitalism is a means of of mastering nature no the means of production the are means of production 
forces of production are means to the mastery of nature. Yeah, okay. outward as well as inward. But not they're not not under capitalism. They're yes, not. Of course uh, they are. No, not exclusively. Yes, that is no, not the that is not the case. That, that's okay. Allow me. You should. That, I mean, primarily, me. primarily, no. Primarily, that is not what is being done. Where it, uh, the means of production are not scientific. The, the the means of production are aimed at an ideological uh, function, which is the expansion of abstract wealth, not the understanding of the universe, not the expansion of mastery over nature, not the creation of real wealth, but the ab the creation of abstract wealth as of social power to expand the the amount of time that the working class is, is employed. That's, the problem that's the comes from pitching them antinomically against each other instead of understanding them as the dialectical, mutually mediated contradiction. I don't it know what that means. Tell me what that means. It is not to sort the good and the bad capitalism, like good ideology, free science, and ideological things about humans or like your mommy or your daddy. Like this ah. is also a super vulgar version of what Freud was attempting to. Freud was trying to give expression to bourgeois society entering into a crisis, but also understanding a struggle which had been part of humanity all along since the inception of culture. And through this was trying to understand what parts of repression are in fact ideological in a certain way, so to speak. Of course, he wouldn't use this language. Right. But this is where, right, like society reproduces itself and society entered into a crisis in the early 20th century, right? Like mm -hmm. so the crisis which had started in the 19th century came to itself, the crisis of civilization itself. And it produced pathologies. And capitalism is still freedom after all. It is unfree freedom, but it's still true, real freedom. There is no other freedom which is not like idealist abstract in the worst way, right? Like in a pejorative way. Not in this. Well, now, uh, what, okay, so um, you're saying there can, can, are you saying there can be freedom. no other freedom or that there is no other freedom? There is no other freedom. Of course. Yeah. But psychoanalysis was a means to develop freedom within the crisis in which society had entered. And since Marxism was the critique of capitalism, it meant not only to point out what is ideological about something, but also in how far something points beyond itself. And Trotsky, in understanding that the revolution was a real possibility, tried to point out in how far um, it's not like when we deal with questions of psychology, it's not a question of like ideology. Do we need bourgeois ideology or do we need uh, socialist ideology? But understood the question which modern psychology faced as one of science, one of the question of enlightenment from like the restrictions of nature, which are posed upon us and keep being reposed on, reimposed on us by society itself, because society nature-like kept reproducing itself and could not make this leap out of the circles, the limitations of capitalism. That's what Marx says needed the revolutionary action of the proletariat. But it's still something which happens inside capitalism 
and therefore all of capitalism would be needed to put to use in a socialism. And what else could it be than something which at the given current state aids the production and reproduction of society, even though the, the aims are blind, right? Even though we don't really see why we are doing it, it still is the free production of society, at least if Marxism is right. Okay. Um, all right. I'm, here's what I want to do. I want to try to see if I can restate your, your arguments and you can tell me if I'm getting it right. Okay. And I just state your position as I understand it. So your position is that the, that bourgeois society itself is, it goes into crisis. It's, it generates its own contradiction that it is a kind of free society um, but that it, uh, because of the industrial revolution, it has uh, turned against itself, um, and uh, that and the and the 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 reason why it, the, it's done that is because the working class has yet to unify uh, and and take take charge of itself as as workers to to realize the, the freedom of, of the bourgeois society. I'm doing my very best because you said quite a lot. Am I leaving something important out or is that, am I getting close? No, it, it was very good. There was one point missing and I did not entertain it this time. Um, but this is right. It's the very basic Marxist point that the contradiction of society is that you got bourgeois relations, right? So I can sell my labor and I'm going to live from it and I'm going to contribute to society's wealth. But through the industrial revolution, through machine work, something appears which can substitute for human labor on the basis of reproduction of everyday life in a equal and better way. So a lot of labor is not needed anymore and can be taken over by machines. But society could not adjust in its own political self-understanding of what this meant. Basically, that these relations of production, the bourgeois relations for production, which should not only give you a job, but freedom, right? Like freedom to be yourself as well as part of society could not be superseded. And because it couldn't be superseded in the 19th century, the proletariat arises as a class which to realize its interest within the system has to abolish the system as a whole and through that class relations. But it's this fundamental, fundamental contradiction between bourgeois relations of production and industrial forces of production, which caused the crisis of capitalism, which means, right, like as Horkheimer later puts it, not work is made superfluous, but the workers. So why is it why is it that in history why is it that the uh, the bourgeois relations led to um, the development of automation, which then um, uh, set up uh, you know the, this this problem in society? What, why like what was it about um, bourgeois society itself that like a real simple question? You can get a machine really? to make things. For you, you don't have to employ people to create, uh, let's say, uh, carrot sticks. You can have a machine do it for you, and the machine can even pick the carrots and plant them. So why can't we just 
take that up, those carrots, and consume them uh, as we need to in order to live our lives freely. Why is it that that the development of a machine to plant and pick and package and distribute carrot sticks leads to a problem um, and, and the development of a proletariat? Because this way of freedom in which we would want to live with the carrot stick machine is a freedom which presupposes that everyone relates to everyone else through work. Right. Through the concrete form of labor. But if you make the machine central, you need to substitute something for labor. And Marx's point is you can't just substitute something for labor. You need to work through the contradiction of labor. This is being held back by the impasse of society. That's why why, why can't you just... What is, what is labor, how is labor the basis of our intera social interactions? Because it's what connects everyone. It's the real how, basis. How, how, does, how does it connect it? Through because what mechanism? produces and reproduces society on a global level. How? Through what mechanism? Through all mechanisms known to No, us. through the market. Yes. Through the exchange of commodities and that's the one part of it. The, but that is how labor specifically sets up the terms of society through the production and exchange of commodities in the market, and then the financial system that arises on top of that production. But it's through the economy that labor sets up the relations of in society. It is not primarily first through our psychological relations or our neighborly relations or the relations that we have with each other in churches or the way we relate to each other around movies. It is through the relationship that we set up through productions of commodities and then the sale of them in the market that labor is central. And the why is it central? Because all of society arises out of the way we materially reproduce our lives. So labor is central uh, because of that? No. Okay. Work and keeping yourself alive is necessary for that. But labor is the specific historical form, form which work took under bourgeois society and then capitalism. But Yeah, it's you know, a specific form, economy, material form, but not just an ideological form. It is a specific material relation that arose under capitalism after the subsistence farming and work for yourself faded away and we became interdependent and we relate and we related to each other primarily through the exchange of commodities social relationships mediated by things okay that's that's the society we we live in now yeah the relationship between men appears the relationship between things that's right yeah right that's right why is, why but you know but they actually they the, the fetish nature of the commodity is that they not only appear that way, but they are. They operate that way. That's not the limit of what can be done, but that is how things actually are materially reproduced today. That's how they are distributed. That is a physical fact and fundamental because it's what feeds us. It's what allows us to continue from one day to the next. But it's not independent from thought. It's not. But it's not independent from thought, but it's, it is independent from quite a lot of thought. It's independent from religious thought. It's independent from cultural thought. It's independent from theories of psychology, but it's not independent from all thought. 
It's not independent from the kind of thinking that structures our productive work and that, that, that sets up abstract labor as a value that mediates our exchanges and our production. And this is just straight ahead, capital, volume one, Marx. So why do you think psychology exists if not to bring order and regulate the labor market? Um, I think psychology exists the same way that efficiency experts exist, the same way that neoliberal politicians exist, the same way that television preachers exist, which is as a way to ideologically justify what is a fundamental social relationship at the point of production and it works and it doesn't work. And by the way, there are, we have to assume that some ideological formations will point beyond this productive relation at the center of capitalism, that we can actually think in ways that aren't supportive of that particular, otherwise Marx is just another uh, means of reproduction of the system as it is. If we think that everything that exists within bourgeois society is a means of production uh, of, and reproduction of capitalism, then we cannot think beyond it. Well, Steph, Stefan, do you want to? I think you, you honestly, if you want to. yeah, I think this is a, this is now now. Thanks for for the last statement, Doug. That that brought it for for me back to to where we were starting from, right? Like. Mm -hmm psychoanalysis as a means of production and if i understood you right right like the problem you have with it is that by then saying everything sort of becomes a means of production and then it's kind of like right it's it's doesn't really matter because we cannot differentiate between materialistic the materialistic basis of society and the ideological superstructure right correct me if, if i'm wrong that's right? about have, right yeah we have to make that differentiation even though you know these things are shot through one another there and especially um you know, like the ideology informs how we're going to set up production. Uh, you know, the ideology of the tech of, of Silicon Valley has changed production. It has. But the fundamental aspect of production, which is that abstract labor time sets up commodity exchanges in the market between peoples and between nations, between workers and between capitalists, all of that. That's why labor is central. Labor is more important than any given capitalist because without labor time, there is no method for distributing goods in the world. There is no method for aiming even at production right now. Right. So my point was just saying, um, you, I don't know how you phrased it just before you said uh, that like, if everything becomes a means of production, like we cannot see, there is nothing, you know, that, that we can see that, that goes beyond it. Right. Like it's every, everything is a reproduction of capitalism. Right. Mm -hmm. And in a way, but but I think that Stefan, correct me if if, if if I'm wrong here, but I think that gets to an interesting point because, in a way, it is, and Marxism is nothing else but the immanent dialectical critique of how everything we have reproduces capitalism, which means like it it maybe points to come also back to the text again um, to a very interesting quote. I'm I try to find it. It's like. Where, where, and I think that the thought idea helps us maybe here a bit that is invoked, that Collier invokes. Um, wait, I'm so sorry that I haven't, wait, I'm going to open it here. So sorry for that. Since we are live, you cannot just cut it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we're live, but I will cut it out when we go up on YouTube. All right, all right. So um, 
here I have it. Collier uh, says the task of human liberation in all its forms is seen as one of removing restraints placed by existing society on existing possibilities of human development. Right. You see, so I think I really like this thought idea because to come back to what Stefan said, like existing human, you know, possibilities for development, right? So, and to try to relate it with the idea of immanent dialectical critique is trying to okay, say in what way capitalism fails to reproduce, you know, society but also in what way it manages it to do it in a free form. And I think it's, it's necessary to, to understand. And I, I, I get like why you want to put labor at the, at the center as kind of like, you know, uh, the core principle uh, the core, you know, point where you can, what's the English term for it? You know, where you can put the, the thing like Heberpunkt. I don't know, Stefan, maybe, you know, it. Uh, so like the, the archimedical, yeah. Um, and I think you have a point in that, but I, I now I think I also get why you, you thought that my my kind of thinking was idealist, because I think you mean that I have not, I, I'm not talking about labor, right? So this is why I don't see the materialistic, you know, uh, point to change society. Mm. I don't know. I I would, you know, even go so far as to say that the contradiction that the fact that capitalism appears as the contradiction of labor and capital is a historic development, is a historical development, you know, that is not somehow, uh, you know, that cannot be presumed for all eternity. My point is that capitalism appears in crisis in every bourgeois category we have available today, right? Mm-hmm. And of course, it's important that for Marxism, we have to, to note that um, it was, the proletariat was the, the subject object of history, you know, like uh, mm-hmm. the, the major political force, the major political symptom that, as Stefan put it, you know, that would abolish um, the whole, that would abolish or overcome the crisis of capitalism together with its own existence. But I still still think it's it's necessary and by no means problematic to say that the crisis of bourgeois society appears in psychoanalysis as a means of production. You know, I, I don't see why that that is idealistic in a way, or maybe you can... Uh, okay, the crisis of bourgeois society appears in psychology as a means of pro- uh, crisis of the means of production? Uh, okay. Psychoanalysis. Right. Okay. In psychoanalysis. Well, I mean, look. You, it, um, if if psych, if you say psychoanalysis is a means of production, um, then uh, you know always it, it is. If if you say that, then like uh, would the efficiency expert that goes into the um, factory to, to be a means of production. And would would we want to seize him? I mean, maybe yeah, maybe so, maybe so, maybe we would want to seize um, the uh, you know the, the the tailorist who would go into American factories and uh, modify the way production was being done in order to maximize uh, the, the uh, you know basically the number of commodities that could be produced in an hour. Um, so. Maybe that is a means of production. 
I I think that we we probably the wor- if workers were to take control of the means of production, we might get rid of the efficiency expert. And I also think that to the degree to which psych- psychology is useful in the way that Trotsky talked about it, something that we would want to hold on to under socialism, the same way we'd want to hold on to free speech, is that it would allow us to go beyond what is and the kinds of product means of production we have now and create something new. In which case, you know, um, like the reason we're going to seize the means of production materially is to change it in terms of its structuring ideology to, to a limit, to abolish labor as the primary uh, mediating structure of society and to, to, to create something new and to realize it. Well, to realize real physical work, including the general intellect, as opposed to being trapped by this ideological abstraction of labor time as a measure that's embodied as a value in commodities and sets of exchange. So that, I mean, anyhow, the, 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 the point is, I, I feel like if we want to say that the efficiency experts is a means of production that needs to be seized, I'm okay with that. But I, but I would, I would just say that, you know, it, it, it we would be misguided if we w- organize the working classes to seize the clinics, to see, to take over the, you know, the, 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 the therapeutic couch as our own, you know, that that's just not going to be the means of production that we should be aimed at transforming. But again, psychoanalysis is not the same as the treatment of psychological pathologies. No, it's a theory that allows that to happen. Exactly, but it's only one part of it. Right, right. Um, but going back to okay, listen, we've we've talked for fifty minutes here. What we've barely scratched the surface of Lacan. We've had a nice uh, debate. I've gotten my point of view across multiple times. We should. I should now let you two talk more, and I will in the second half of this conversation, which will continue now for Twitch people and people who are watching this on YouTube. Go to Twitch, become follow us there. If you love Minecraft, you'll love Pop the Left and and uh, you'll love our Twitch stream. Um, but if you're not, you can go to Patreon and watch the second half.